Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. chapter 6 verse 16 through 18 and when you fast do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for the they disgrace their faces and their fasting that their fasting may be seen by others but we glorify you Jesus we glorify you truly I say they have their reward but when you fast anoint your head wash your face that your fasting may not be seen of others but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. We've been walking through this series of culture making. And in this first segment of our culture making series, we're talking about fasting. Because we as a people, we as a culture, we fast. Amen. We as a people, we as a culture, we fast. Amen. It's real quiet. It's real quiet. I'm okay with that. We as a people... We as a culture, we fast, we fast, we fast. We fast, we pray, we give, we praise. We fast, we pray, we give, we praise. And as we're in our last week of our fast, we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to fast like Jesus. We talked about what it looks like to fast like Daniel and what the reward of that fast is. We talked about what it looks like to fast like Esther, and we talked about the reward of that fast. This week we're going to talk about what it looks like to fast like Jesus and the reward of that fast. In our culture-making moment, though, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Bill Hybels. He's the founder of the Global Leadership Summit that we go to on a regular basis here. We've been going for, what, four years, three, four years, something like that. Um, And this gentleman, he wrote a book called Axiom. It's about 130, 140 different leadership quips that allow for leaders to understand over his 30, 40-year um, uh, tenure as the pastor of the, his church, Willow Creek, um, who he's now not the pastor of the church anymore. We'll talk about that next week. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise his high holy name. But we will. We <laughs> Stop, David. We will. He's no longer the pastor at that church. But when he was the pastor of that church, he learned a lot of leadership lessons. And one of the leadership lessons that he did learn was keep short accounts. And as it reads in his book, it says, when high-capacity people work in close proximity of each other, there will be friction. To expect otherwise is naive because inevitably something is going to be said or done by someone and someone else's feelings are going to get hurt. What matters is what we do immediately after that infraction occurs. Can I read that again? What matters is not that the infraction occurs, but what matters is what we do immediately after the infraction occurs. As far as I can tell, there are two theories that exist in, um, that are in existence here. One says to let time heal all wounds. Don't pay too much attention to it. The other person will forget about it. Your own anger will subside. And eventually, all will be water under the bridge. But then there's the Bible's approach. Ephesians chapter 4.26 says, Never let the sun go down while you are still angry. 
Never let the sun go down while you're still angry. Matthew 5 teaches that if you are in worship and remember that you are holding ill will Mm -hmm. towards someone else, you should excuse yourself from worship. Excuse yourself from worship and remember that you are holding ill will and, and go and try and reconcile that very hour. Immediately fix it. The more time that elapses between the infraction and the attempted resolution, scripture implies, the more likely the rift will grow. And as a people that are a part of a high-performing community, as a people that are a part of this place called Church of the Redeemer Baptist, as a people who are a part of what is required to lead this church to where God has called us to go, we are a people that need to keep short accounts with each other. Infractions are going to happen. People's feelings are going to get hurt. I promise you that I will be offended, and I promise you that I will probably offend you at some point or another. Say amen, somebody. But when that happens, it is ours not just to carry that offense for weeks, months, or even years. It is ours to go to our brother, to go to our sister, and say, hey, everything all right? I don't want what just happened to keep God's glory from being revealed in our midst. (laughs) So as a people and as a culture, what we are being called by God to do is to not let offensive linger, but to address each other with truth, love, respect, and honesty. And saints, when it's done, it's done. Look at somebody and say, when it's done, it's done. When we put it to bed, we done put it to bed. Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus, it says, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. This is exactly what Jesus did, in all honesty, when Jesus was being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And one of my favorite preaching assignments in my time as um, a leader in the Lord's church was to walk through what it looks like to be led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It is, it's almost anathema to us to think that the Spirit of God would lead us to a lonely place so that we could be tempted by the enemy of our souls. Did you, are you all with me? The Spirit of God would lead us to a lonely place so that we would be tempted by the enemy of our soul. God did that to his son. God led Jesus to a lonely place so that he would be able to be in isolation so that he could be tempted by the enemy of his soul. My first point, and then we're going to just keep on going. Don't get mad when God leads you to your lonely place. Please don't get mad when God leads you to your lonely place. Place Because when God leads you to your wilderness, that something is going to come out of that wilderness that will be the redeeming quality that you need to do everything that God has called you 
to do. Sometimes we lead ourselves into our own wilderness. But when God leads you to your wilderness, it's going to feel different. It's going to be different. You're going to understand some things in a different way. It may feel like you're lonely, but you will know that you are never, ever alone. You may feel lonely, but you will know that you are never, ever alone because he walks with you and he talks with you along life's narrow way. You may feel alone, but you will not be alone. In verse 2, after being fasted, after fasted for 40 days, fasting, excuse me, for 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says, this got me, this got me like real, real wrapped up in my mind. It says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 nights, he was hungry. That's what the Bible says. Y'all read that? Y'all, y'all read that after fasting for 40 days or 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, I know that we're an educated group of people who love God and are regular seekers of knowledge. But I read this verse and I immediately thought, duh. Like, <laughs> the man didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. He was just led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and was without food for 40 days and 40 nights. And I'm running through this. But, of course, he would be hungry. Anybody in his circumstances would be hungry. And then I started to think, well, God, why would you communicate such obvious information through instruction of Matthew and say something so obvious? And why would the obvious be so significant to us? And what I heard from God say was because the enemy typically tempts you with obvious things. That's point number two. (laughs) The enemy is going to tempt you with obvious things. You may think that what destroyed you was out of the blue, but if you think about it, what you fell for was, it was obvious. (laughs) You may think that your heart was shattered in a million pieces because someone you never thought would do that thing did that thing, but... If you think about it, if you think back a little bit and you really understand their character, you you would know that what took you by surprise was actually, it, it was it was obvious. That sin that you committed, that destroyed your life, it was it was sort of obvious. Like if you if you look at yourself, take real inventory of who you are, it, it was. It was sort of obvious that that deal that went wrong and you were wondering, God, that would never go wrong. I had all my faith. I had all my trust in you and it fell through. But if you think about it, they were leading you to your own demise. And if if you take inventory of every meeting, go back to your notes, look at every note that you wrote down, feel every feeling, remove your emotion from the situation and you will see that what actually happened was obvious. The son that left you and you can't find him. You knew that that was coming when you prayed about that child. Hello, church. Hello, church. The Lord will not catch you by surprise. That daughter that broke your heart, that situation that you felt was coming to you to attack you out of the blue. When in all actuality, if you sit down with your feelings, with your emotions, and you unpack everything that happened to you at that time you will realize that you hid the obvious from yourself 
You hid the obvious from yourself. It wasn't God that hid that from you. You were hungry and you went looking for what would satisfy your desire. You were thirsty, somebody said. All right, church. You, you wanted what you wanted, and you went and found what you wanted. And when you got it, you realized that your filling you was not the filling of Holy Spirit. You did that. You did that. You did that. And you got what was obvious to you to fill your void. And God, you knew in the beginning. You knew in the beginning, (laughs) you knew in the beginning that that was not the will of the Lord for your life. Is there a church here? (laughs) Is there, (laughs) is there a church? It was obvious, it was obvious, it was obvious, but you hid the obvious from yourself. See, the enemy will only tempt us in three very specific ways. John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life, or the King James would say, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And those three areas of temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are the root of every single one of our trials. The root of every single... I mean, look at Jesus. After he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after he admitted that what was obvious about himself to himself... Can I say that again? After he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after he admitted what was obvious about himself to himself... Can I say it one more time? After he admitted what was obvious about himself... To himself, he was finally (laughs) able to be tempted by the devil. Why? I would think that you should not communicate what's obvious about yourself to yourself. But Jesus had to admit that because it was finally outside of him. The enemy had nothing. (laughs) The enemy had nothing against him. There was nothing to bring accusation against him. Everything was in the open, and there was no opportunity for the enemy of his soul to say, if you don't do it, I will. If you don't tell it, I will. All things have been revealed outside of me to my Father, Holy God of Israel. All things have been revealed outside of me to my Father, which is in heaven. There's no secret between us. And because there's no secret, no sin between your soul and your Savior, you no longer have to cover yourself. You don't have to cover yourself anymore. You've revealed everything to the Father, and now He can cover you. I done well, almost, I'm about to fall through the floor, good brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. Slow down, David. <laughs> There's nothing that is hidden and everything has been revealed and now you no longer have to cover your own sin. God will cover you. The Lord will fight your battle. You need only to be still. There are only three ways that the enemy can attack. He'll attack you, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, pride of life. After he was tempted, led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he admitted 
what was obvious about himself to himself. Then he was approached by the enemy of our souls to see if he would fall for the bait. Verse number four. The tempter came to him and said, you are the son of God. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live. Hallelujah. I feel glory here by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the lust of the flesh. It's easy to be seen. It's the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. It's obvious that he's hungry. Why don't you go and eat something? I know who you are. You know who you are. Why don't you take what's here and make what you want and eat? Did you hear? Take what's here. Make what you want and eat. But Jesus said the first, temp- the first temptation is easiest to see because what the enemy does is he tries to give you what you've already admitted was inside of you. Please go with me. He tries to give you what you've already admitted what was inside of you. He tries to use your confession against you. He tries to use what God is now covering because you've given it over to God. He tries now to use what God is covering against you in a way that says, I know that this is what you want, so why don't you just go after it? But the Holy One of Israel will give you the strength once you've revealed yourself to him. God will give you the strength to say no to even what you have confessed. The lust of the flesh fell down. He overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his own testimony. Sometimes, saints, the best way for you to fight the enemy is to tell on yourself. Sometimes the best way for you to get victory is to tell on yourself before somebody else can come and tell a tale about you. Yeah, I did it. What? Yeah, I said it. What? Yeah, I wanted it. What? What you going to do? I did what I did. I said what I said. I suffered the consequences. Now here I am. And guess what? God still loves me. Oh, what a God. Oh, what a God. We serve. He's glorious. And he, hey. Hallelujah. I, he looks beyond my faults. And he saw... Hallelujah. He saw my needs. I got to go. I got to go. He looked beyond them. I confessed them. He looked beyond them. Holy God of Israel. And he saw every one of my needs. And he gave me according to his riches and mercy. I should be dead and gone right now. Oh my Jesus. I should be gone. But the one. Who is the restore, the one who puts me back together again? He helped me overcome the thing that I had to confess, the lust of the flesh. Secondly, the devil took him into the city and set him in the principle of, at the principle of the pinnacle, excuse me, of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. This is the lust of the eye. Second temptation that he had to go against. It's the lust of the eye. 
It's a little bit trickier because it wasn't obvious externally to anyone, but it was obvious to Jesus. See, the next thing, the next way that the enemy attacks you is he attacks you by looking inside of you, and he attacks your identity. <laughs> he attacks your identity. He attacks who you know you are in God. <clears throat> may not yet be revealed to everybody else, but he attacks your identity. Everybody else might not see who God created you to be, but you know who God created you to be. Everybody not, might not realize who God created, but you know who God created you to be. Jesus knew that he was the one that would rule everything that he saw. And the enemy was trying to give him promotion prematurely. Hello, church. The enemy was trying to give him promotion prematurely. And Jesus had to have the wherewithal, the staidness in his relationship with the father to say, yes, that's who I am, but it's not my time yet. Yes, that's where I'm going, but I'm not supposed to be there yet. Yes, that's who I am. That's where I'm going. That's what God created me to be, but not now and not here. Sometimes the enemy is going to take you and let you look at what could be your blessing. It could be your blessing. And if you walk into that blessing, you will find yourself striving. You will be working to maintain what God didn't give you, knowing that this is who you are, but you didn't wait for God to reveal it to you. You took it upon yourself, and because you took it upon yourself, you have to make it work. You have to fight for it. You have to maintain it. And that's the lust of the eye. The lust of the eye will lead you to your own demise because you see something that you're not prepared for yet. You see something you're not prepared for yet, and you go after it before you're ready. Got to go. Got to go. Second temptation is a little trickier because it's an attack of your identity. Third temptation, then the devil looked. I feel it. Goodness gracious, what is going on? Again, the devil looked at him in a very high place, took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. Get out of here. I'm done with you. Stop talking to me. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. This is the pride of life. Pride of life is when the enemy tries to give us something that we know we're supposed to do. And we go after what the enemy is trying to give us. But it's not really ours. The goal of the enemy is to take us outside of our destiny and to allow us to look at all of the things that could be our promotion, that could be our place, it could be our posture. And we go after that, those things. And as we go after the place, the promotion, and the posture of the enemy, the enemy destroys us because when we get to it, we get to it and we suffer our own demise. But then at the end of that, what, what we read of Jesus at the end is then when the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. So after he suffered the lust of the flesh, after he suffered the lust of the eyes, and after he suffered the pride of life, he tells the enemy to go away. And when he tells the enemy to go away, then it says that the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. 
when Daniel fasted, Daniel fasted for an answer. When Esther fasted, Esther fasted for life to be spared. But the reward of the fast of Jesus' saints is a restoration of your destiny. Hello? The reward of the fast of Jesus is a restoration of your destiny. You may think it's too late for you. You may think your time has passed. You may think you've been broken too much. You may think you've lived too much life to be able to walk into the destiny and assignment that you know God created you for. But I declare by the mercy of God that this fast is a fast that will reset the clock on your assignment. I don't care if you're eight years old or 80 years old. You know who God created you to be. And I declare that in this season, even if you haven't been fasting for the first two weeks, but you simply start today. The Lord that we serve, the God that we serve is saying to God's people today that I will reset the clock on your assignment and I will allow you to finish well. Somebody say finish well. It may not, you may think it's too late, but God's saying it's not too late. You may think it's over, but God's saying it's not over. You may think you're done, but God's saying it is not done for you. You may have wasted time, but God is saying, I will redeem the time. What's been wasted by you will be restored by me. Is there anybody that is willing to thank our God for restoring time? All that you have to do is hold on, saints, just a little while longer. (laughs) And everything, I declare it, is going to be all right. Just keep the faith for a little while longer, and I declare everything's going to be all right. Keep praying and keep fasting just a little while longer, and everything, keep praising and keep praying and everything. Believe God for just a little while longer. Pray And hold on to God for the salvation of your household. And I guarantee everything will be all right. And the Redeemer of time will give you enough time. Write it down. The Redeemer of time will give you enough time to do all that's been assigned to your hands from the beginning of time. The Redeemer of time will give you enough time. To do all that's been assigned to your hands at the beginning of time. If that's you, can you just give God praise and receive your word today? Receive restoration in your house. Receive restoration in your mind. Receive the restoration of God. Receive everything, the overcoming faith, power, and purpose that God has given you. And for this, we give God praise. Some of you are here. Virtually or physically, some of you are here and you're wondering, is this word for me? You know that you've, you've experienced something on the inside. You've felt something and you, you're like, yeah, that was good. Feels like God was talking. I appreciate it. But what do I do with that? You give your life to Jesus. That's what you do. That's what you do. You give your life to Jesus. You give your life to the king. Because you've been trying it for all this time and it's not been working, you know. You've been trying to do it all by yourself, and 
You're trying to figure it out, and God's already worked it out, but you don't know the God that's worked it out. You've been trying to figure it out. But God's already worked it out. But you don't know the God that's worked it out. Now is your time. Today is your day. Let the Lord love you back to himself, please. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do, but you can feel that you want to today. <laughs> today is a different day. You can feel that you want to. So the doors of the, this church are open. If there is anyone in this room, anyone in our virtual campus, that needs to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior for the first time ever, now is your time and today is your day. Just type it to me in the chat. Just type it to me. Just type it to me or put an emoji in there with your hand up. Thumbs up, whatever you need to. Whatever you need to. Just let us know. Whatever you need to do. Now is your time and today is your day. It's time for salvation. God wants to allow for you to experience the redeeming of time that only God can give you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life will no longer rule you. If there is one that has walked away from God and you need to come back, you know you need to come back. Come back now. Now is your time. Today is your day. You don't have to be a member of this church, but you can be wherever you are. You can live wherever you live, and you can still be joined to this church in fellowship as we walk with God and walk with each other. We'll make room for you because God's already made room for you. Type it in there. Put your hand up in the screen or a thumbs up or an emoji, a smiling, whatever you need to do. Just let us know. Let us know that that's you. You're coming back home. And if there is one that needs to, um, wants to join themselves with this church in membership, do the same. Now, Redeemer is a great place to call home. I appreciate you. Redeemer is a great place to call home. Amen. So this is a great place for you to join in membership, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. It ain't over for you. It ain't over for you. It ain't over for you. God's not finished. God's not finished. So you need to keep fighting until God gives you the victory. After this, give God praise.